I'm Clarice Grody, and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Amplify OT podcast. I'm Clarice, your host, and I am here today to talk to you about how Medicare law is made and how we can advocate during the rulemaking process. Because I think a lot of us feel like Medicare policy is out of our control, that we don't have much say in the matter. And I want to dispel that myth today because there are so many opportunities for how we can take action and how we can influence the regulation of the future. Now, before we get straight into the nitty gritty of the process, I do want to announce that I am so excited to be hosting the first ever Amplify OT webinar all about how to advocate as an occupational therapy practitioner and student on April 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern. It is a live Zoom webinar. The registration is up on my website and I'll link it here in the show notes, but it really goes along well with this topic about how to advocate during this process. And we'll also talk about all the upcoming legislation that's going on. So it's really going to be a great opportunity to learn more about how to use the skills that you already have to be an effective advocate. Um, and also what is going on in Congress and with Medicare and what you can do about it. So I'm super excited for it and I hope to see you there. But with that in mind, let's go ahead and start in on today's topic. So as a reminder, Medicare is the only U.S. federal health insurance program, and it's for adults who are over the age of 65, as well as those with end-stage renal disease and those who have disabilities. So with it being the only federal health insurance program we have, all of Medicare policy starts with Congress. And when we're talking about Congress, we're talking about the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. So this is a great time to go back and watch the I'm just a bill from Schoolhouse Rock. But basically, uh, where Congress starts with is introducing a piece of legislation. That is the first place to start when we're looking to make a movement on Medicare policy in Congress. So the first step of that is when someone has a piece of legislation they want to introduce in Congress, they must first find sponsors. And those sponsors have to be both in the House or in the Senate um, because a bill has to be introduced on both chambers. And what I mean by chambers is the Senate is a chamber and the House of Representatives is a chamber. Now, any member of Congress can introduce a piece of legislation so they can either write their own legislation to be introduced or stakeholders can also write their own legislation and then find sponsors. So an example of this is AOTA. When AOTA want to introduce the Medicare Home Health Flexibility Act, they first found someone to help them draft the piece of legislation because it has to be written in a very specific format. Like if you've ever looked at a bill text, you'll see that it's written in a very specific way. So often you hire a lawyer to assist with that writing process. You want to be very particular about the wording to make sure that it says what you want it to say, because when it comes to legal matters, the wording, the grammar, where the commas are placed, if it's an and or an or, makes a big difference in how that policy will eventually be implemented. So once you have this bill text, you then have to go out and find sponsors. So AOTA has found sponsors both in the House and in the Senate. And again, it can be any member of Congress that can introduce a bill. 
Now, generally, when it comes to AOTA or occupational therapy legislation, we try and find a sponsor both in the Republican Party as well as in the Democratic Party so that our bills are bipartisan and so that way we can get support from both sides of the aisle. And then we do the same thing both in the House and in the Senate. So in general, we're talking about four primary sponsors on any piece of legislation. So once these sponsors submit the bill or introduce the bill in the House and Senate, it is then given a official bill number. And so that's where you'll see the HR and then a number or the S and then a number. That's the bill number and that's the best way to refer to that bill text because some bills can have the same name, like the SMART Act. There are multiple SMART Acts in Congress. So you wanna make sure that you give them the bill number so that they know which bill you're referring to. So then once it's given a number, it is then generally assigned to a committee. And committees are consist of a group of legislators who review bills of a similar or a common topic. And when it comes to legislation that impacts occupational therapy, there are specific committees that we typically follow. So in the House, the two primary committees we follow are the Ways and Means Committee and the Energy and Commerce Committee. Those are the ones that are primarily dealing with legislation that impacts occupational therapy. In the Senate, we primarily follow two committees, the Senate Finance Committee and the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, or also known as the HELP Committee. So once these bills are assigned to committee, we then want to get a hearing on those bills. And so that's where the committee together comes together to discuss the different bills before them. So during this process, AOTA lobbyists and individuals who advocate for these bills are working hard to build support for the bill. So they're contacting specifically the people who are on these committees, but also the members at large, asking them to co-sponsor the bill, to show their support in order to basically convey that they will support this piece of legislation whenever it comes up for a vote. So this is where members um, or anyone really can use AOTA's Take Action page, and I'll be releasing a video on how to use the Take Action page here in the next couple of weeks, but it's really easy and I'll link it in the show notes. So while we're going about trying to build support for this bill, um, before the bill can even receive a vote on the floor of the chambers, it must first pass through committee. So typically the committee has a hearing and these are streamed for the public on C-SPAN or also on their individual websites. And occasionally we will have individuals come before the committee to testify on behalf of the legislation, uh, which we had when Dr. Victoria Garcia Wilburn testified on behalf of the Allied Health Workforce Diversity Act before the Energy and Commerce Committee earlier this year. So in her testimony, she submitted a written testimony and she spoke before the committee um, basically as a representative of occupational therapy and this bill to say why it's important, why it should be passed, and also provides an opportunity for legislators to ask her questions about the bill. Now, when this bill is going through committee, the committee has the ability to add amendments or to adjust the text of the bill. And depending on what kind of adjustments they are depends on how we would respond to those adjustments. Sometimes they are in our favor, other times they aren't adjustments that we want. Um, But once these amendments have been agreed to and that's done by a vote, then the committee can vote to pass the bill through committee. So this can be a multi-step process depending on how many amendments want to be made. And so let's assume that the piece of legislation passes through committee, it is then now eligible for a vote on the floor. So like with the Allied Health Workforce Diversity Act, it was incredible. It was voted out of committee unanimously in the House. And then we most 
recently had a vote out of committee in the Senate as well, and it passed 20 to 2 with 20 votes in favor of passing that legislation out of the committee, which was very exciting. So now the Allied Health Workforce Diversity Act is eligible for a vote on the floor in both chambers. Now, when it comes time to voting on the floor, this is what has to happen in order for a bill to become law, and it must pass through the floor vote both in the House and the Senate. And this is where either bills can go to die, or they can pass through, or it can just go into a unknown land where the bill just kind of hangs out for an extended period of time. Um, now, there's multiple different ways for a bill to go through the floor. Occasionally, a bill may pass on its own or it will stand alone. But more often, a bill is attached to a kind of a larger bill as part of like a package. And so this can occasionally preferred, be referred to as like a Christmas tree bill where there's a central bill and then other bills are attached to it like ornaments. And so you end up with these large packages. And that's the most common way occupational therapy legislation is passed because it's not usually a big enough piece of legislation to pass through on its own. Um, it's usually attached to a larger package like we have with the Medicare Home Health Flexibility Act, the language of that bill. So that bill itself did not technically pass the House and Senate. The language of that bill was included as part of the year-end omnibus package of 2021. So even though that bill text itself didn't specifically pass, the language of it was included in a different bill. So it was still then therefore enabled to be enacted into law. Now, a key part of this process is that both chambers, so both the Senate and the House, have to pass the bill in the exact same form. So one of the ways that we can make sure the bill text passes in the same form is to have, let's say, the House pass the bill first, and then that version of the bill goes to the Senate, and the Senate votes on that bill and passes it out. So then both chambers have passed the same piece of legislation. Now, more often than not, the process is not quite that smooth. Um, what happens more often than not is, let's say for this example, the House passes one piece of legislation. It then sends that legislation to the Senate to be voted on. But then the Senate has the ability to add amendments to that bill. Now, once they've added amendments or any other changes, whether it's on the same topic or a different topic, like that Christmas tree we're talking about, it is no longer in the same form that the House passed it. So once the Senate agrees and passes all the different amendments and passes that piece of legislation out, it then now has to go back to the House, where the House can undergo that same process of adding on different amendments or changing the text. But every time that text is changed, it has to be repassed by both chambers. And so that's where this process can become extremely lengthy or can just die. Now, let's say this process has gone on for a while. What can also happen is during this amendment process, the chambers can decide to enact a specialty conference committee. And this committee consists of members of both the House and the Senate. And this committee meets to discuss a specific bill, bill and find common ground to agree on a text that both chambers are willing to pass. And so if this bill gains the support of the majority of the House members and majority of the senators on that committee, then the committee can pass that bill out of the conference committee and the report goes back to the House and the Senate. And then in order for this bill to pass officially, both chambers have to pass that bill without any 
changes. So as you can see, this can be a very complex process that often results in a lengthy disagreements and oftentimes without resolution. And so this is why it can take so long for legislation to pass. And especially too, because every two years we get a new Congress, right? Because that's when the House turns over. Because the term for House of Representatives is every two years and then senators are six. So senators' elections are staggered but the House has an official full vote every two years. So this means every odd year we get a new Congress. So we have midterm votes right this year, and then we have presidential votes in another two years. But after the midterms, so starting January 1st of 2023, we will start a new Congress, which means all the bills that are introduced in the current Congress will have to be reintroduced as part of the 118th Congress. So that adds an additional layer where if it was really close to passing December of 2022, well, once it hits 2023, that bill has to be reintroduced as part of the 118th Congress. So again, that starts the com process completely over. So there are so many opportunities throughout this whole process for us to advocate, for us to gain support, and ask our representatives to support this legislation and help move it through this lengthy and complex process. So next up, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about what happens to this legislation once it passes the House and Senate. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% 
off with the code AMPLIFYOT. That's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to MedBridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to MedBridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. And we are back. So once legislation passes the House and Senate, it then is signed into law by the president. Now, the president doesn't technically have to sign the bill. If the president doesn't actually physically sign it, it just automatically becomes law. So essentially, if the president doesn't veto the bill, then it is enacted into law. Now, once this bill is enacted into law, it then gets passed on to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS. CMS is responsible, it's a branch of HHS, and it's responsible for making Medicare policy. And this is where the real nitty gritty comes out, where the real details of how exactly this direction is going to be implemented. Because remember, Congress kind of provides the overall direction of what they want to happen, but it's up to CMS to figure out exactly how that direction is going to be implemented. So this is the start of the process where CMS can take a piece of legislation that is only a few pages, like the Medicare Home Health Flexibility Act was only a couple of pages long, and they can then take it and turn it into hundreds or thousands of pages of each individual detail spelled out. Now, the first public step of this process is when CMS releases a proposed rule. And the proposed rule is when CMS essentially announces its intent to issue a new regulation or modify an existing one. And this proposed rule is an opportunity for the public to comment during the aptly named commenting period. Now, by law, anyone can submit a comment to CMS during the rulemaking process. So that includes you, it includes associations, it includes your friends. So anyone can submit a comment and CMS must then read and consider these comments as part of their own regulations. And typically this commenting period lasts for about 60 days from when the rule is published. And the end of that commenting period is published in that proposed rule. And so if there is a proposed rule that's impacting occupational therapy, this is typically when you're going to see an email from AOTA that's asking for a call to action. And so AOTA, generally speaking, will have like a draft letter similar to the take action page. They'll develop a proposed like kind of form letter that you can take and edit and submit with your story. And so these letters are really helpful because it especially gives you some background on why they are or are not supporting certain things um, and gives you the opportunity to edit it, like I said, to tell CMS what you do or do not support in this proposed rule. So once this proposed rule period or this commenting period is over, uh, CMS then will draft a final rule. And so they read all the comments, they they respond to those comments, and then they publish that all together as part of that final rule. Now, once the final rule is published, there is not a second comment period. So really your only opportunity to advocate for changes is during that proposed rulemaking process. So if you miss it, there's not really a lot of opportunity for the general public to make uh, any kind of change to the rule. 
all comments are publicly reported, so it is important to be aware of that when you submit a comment, that none of this process is overly confidential. So you can see what AOTA uh, submitted, what APTA submitted, what your friends submitted. So all these comments are publicly reported. So that's important to keep in mind during this process. Okay, so once the final rule is published, it then generally goes into effect about 30 to 60 days after the publication, depending on the impact of the rule. And what we mean by impact, it primarily means like how substantial of a change it'll be to practice or if it'll have like a big financial impact. So if it's going to have a big impact, then generally it will take impact take effect about 60 days after publication, but the majority of the time, most rules take effect around 30 days. So again, another reminder of the importance of paying attention because 30 days is not a lot of time, or even 60 days is not a lot of time to make sure that your EMRs are up to date if it's a billing change or to notify your staff. So the earlier you pay attention to these issues, the more prepared you will be, the better you'll understand the issues, and the more likely you are to be in compliance with the law. Now, during this process, it's another reminder of how CMS and Congress interact, because depending on how the bill text was written, CMS may or may not really be able to make certain changes uh, as requested in the comments. And so a good example of this is the rulemaking process that we recently went through for the Occupational Therapy Assistant Payment Differential, which if you're not familiar with it, I have a whole episode and article on it, and I'll link that in the show notes as well, and I highly recommend it. But today we're just kind of talking about the rulemaking process for this. So the implementation of the OTA and PTA payment differential was a provision that was included as part of the Balanced Budget Act of 2018, which if you remember, that was the same piece of legislation that also repealed the permanent therapy cap for Medicare Part B services. So Congress provided the end goal that there would be a 15% reduction of Medicare payment for services provided by OTAs and PTAs under Medicare Part B. And that's kind of all the detail that was included in the legislation. Now, like I said, once that legislation passed, it went to CMS to make up the final rule. So CMS then took this information and went through numerous rounds of forming a final rule of how to decide how exactly the modifier would be used and what its impact would be. So initially, the proposed rule said the OTA modifier would be applied when the treatment was provided in whole or in part. Well, what exactly does in part mean? Like, is that a percentage? Is it a unit? How is it calculated, right? That's not a very clear statement. And so those were all comments that we submitted during that proposed uh, rulemaking period, that commenting period of like, what exactly does whole in whole or in part mean? Um, and there are other comments that were submitted by stakeholders. And those comments were then taken into consideration before CMS released the final rule in 2019 for the modifier to be implemented in 2020. Now, remember, this was just for the modifier to be used. So the payment differential was not yet implemented. And another thing to point out is that that bill passed in February of 2018. The final rule didn't come out until the fall or winter of 2019. So there's already been pretty much a year and a half that has passed before this final rule took effect. Now, in 2021, another rulemaking process was started to discuss how exactly to implement the payment differential. So we already have a use of the modifier, but we have yet to implement the payment differential. And so this is where CMS first announced that the payment differential would only apply to Medicare's portion of the bill versus the entire bill, because under Medicare 
Medicare Part B, Medicare only pays 80% of the bills because patients have a 20% coinsurance on all Part B services. And so that was kind of the first time that we had heard that that's how they intended to apply that 15% modification. So this rule went through the same commenting period with the final rule being released in the winter of 2021 for implementation in 2022. Now, an example of where CMS said that they were unable to do something is when AOTA and APTA advocated for exemptions for the payment differential for rural and underserved areas. And those are areas that are primarily served by OTAs and PTAs versus OTs and PTs. And so they would most likely have the largest negative impact as the result of the payment differential and could potentially cause clinics to close, which could reduce patient access. And so CMS responded that they did not have the authority to institute such an exemption and referred them to Congress. They said, Congress didn't say that we could do that. So if you want us to do that, that's fine. But Congress has to tell us that it's okay. So that's what led to the creation of the SMART Act. And again, that is also included in my OTA modifier podcast episode. And this process, again, is also why we had to implement like the Home Health uh, Flexibility Act is because CMS said, we can't do it, talk to Congress. And so sometimes that process can go back and forth where Congress says, not our problem, it's CMS, and CMS says, "Uh, not our problem, talk to Congress. So that process can be quite frustrating, but it's something that happens. So in both of these examples, you can see that there can be a large amount of time passed between when the legislation is first introduced, when that legislation finally passes through Congress, and then when that legislation is turned into a final rule and regulation and then implemented in the clinic. And so there is a long period of time where we are able to have to impact the decision-making process where we're able to advocate. And that's why it's so important to get involved early because by the time you're hearing about it from your employer, it's already really too late to share your voice because the final rule has already been passed. And so this is why it's so important to get involved early, why it's so important to be an AOTA member because they are the ones who are paying attention to a lot of this. None of us have the time to read all of these rules, all of these bills and pay attention to all that, which is why they have full-time staff dedicated exactly to these issues. And so it's important to have someone representing us at the decision-making table, because like they always say, if you aren't at the table, you are on the menu. And we don't want occupational therapy to be on the menu. We deserve to have a seat at that table. So I hope that makes this complex and convoluted process a little bit easier to understand. And like I said, if you want to learn more about how to advocate and what's currently going on in Congress and with CMS, then I highly encourage you to attend my How to Advocate webinar. We'll also talk about technical expert panels and all these other ways in which occupational therapy practitioners can make a difference and how you can use the skills that you already have to be an effective advocate, both for yourself, for your patients, and for your profession. It's only $5 in honor of OT month, and I'm so excited for it. So I've got the link down in the show notes for you to register, or you can also go to amplifyot.com. All right, that's all I got for you for now, and I will see you next time. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. 
There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?